thing about self-discipline is that it is necessary for everything you do in your life. You have to be self-disciplined. Working out, working out, you gotta work out every day. You gotta stay in shape. If you wanna, I mean, if you don't stay in shape, you die. Hello humans, welcome to the M Word for Manx Sports Podcast brought to you by Martin, that's me. And Matt. That's him over there. Hello Matthew. Hello. Again, I'm calling you Matthew instead of Matt. It's a bad habit. Yeah, it's a bad, bad habit, isn't it? Okay, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors. I hope you're doing well, by the way. Billboards.im, uh, doing as well as they are. Uh, they're a digital advertising. You see them around town, get your name out there, get your brand out there. Go and see the guys have been really good to us. In fact, they've helped us recently with another project we've been working on. So uh, thanks again to those guys, Billboards.im. We're going to whack straight in, but intro clip, probably don't recognize the voice, but, it, but it's a clip from uh, that I... Uh, borrowed from YouTube around self-discipline and it just felt having done a little bit of research on our Gianni today just felt appropriate that the quotes around having self-discipline were quite relevant uh, to, to the situation so welcome Johnny thanks for coming in and spending a bit of time with us you know thanks for having me in I appreciate the invites pleasure absolute pleasure even on a nice day like this when we should all be outside yeah, um, yeah. hopefully everyone listening is outside when they get around to listening even if it's day. socially distant from listening uh, from yeah. other people. So let's kick off. Are you a, a come over, Manx, 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 or Manx as the Hills? I, I, despite the name, I am as Manx as the Hills. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Born and bred, um, born in the Jane Crew Call, 1980 model. Um, okay. Italian descent, obviously. Uh, grandparents came over in the, gosh, mid 50s with my uncle Marco, who is Marco Leonetti, um, hairdresser, local hairdresser, and, uh, and my mum. And then, uh, my granddad was a barber, brought uh, an apprentice over, which turned out to, my, to be my dad. Oh, right. and, okay. uh, oh, and that's how my mum and dad met. And then yeah. the rest is history. All oh, right. Okay. So whereabouts in the island were you brought up? Douglas or Onkin, if I'm honest. Onkin. Okay. Um, yeah, raised in Onkin. Okay. Whereabouts in Onkin were you? Uh, Wyborn Grove. Right. Okay. Just I asked, being, below, being the Onkin boy, I asked to try and picture, right. Ah, there you go. Yeah, why won't Grove? Uh, and there was a bunch of us in there that I'm still friends with some of them. So, um, so like Ashley Hill or Onkin School? And Onkin, few longer. Onkin, oh. Onkin School. Onkin School, oh, then Balakameen. We've fallen out already, being the uh, Ashley Hill and St. Nicholas <laughs> one. Okay. Uh, right. and, and were you doing sport at a young age in, or during those school years? Were you into sport? I, I was, yeah. I'll be honest, and I've got my parents to thank for this. They, they were really encouraging um, for both me and my brother to get involved as much as we could which has, a, has definitely had a knock-on effect, in my opinion, of how I would bring a child up if I was to have one, for example. I think it's important to have that sporting background. Uh, as you know yourselves, it, you know, it creates discipline. So I was I, swimming from like an early age, sort of four or five years old, right the way through till I was mid-teens. Um, alongside then, football, rugby at school, you know, all those sort of, those sort of interests. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, all my life. Right. Was that um, competitive or is it just um, kind of social? So the, the, the football was always social, uh, the rugby was just through school, but the swimming ended up being competitive. Um, I was very fortunate to go to the 93 Island Games um, and represent, you know, I, I, was, I would say a mediocre swimmer, should we say. So that was, was Gibraltar in 93. Like distance-wise? Uh, I was a breaststroker and a, mm-hmm. um, an individual medley swimmer, so I, I quite liked the um, 
butter, butterfly breaststroke with my two and then I tried to backstroke and then a bit of freestyle but uh, breaststroke was predominantly my my discipline and that was it what year did you say you at the games 90 93 okay so you're 13 right. I was 13 yeah right okay wow that is young uh, it? yeah 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 okay and then, uh, did you fall out of love of swimming, or what? What? Why did that? Why did that end in the end? You, you know, you've hit the nail on the head, really, because, like I said, I was quite mediocre. Uh, I, I'm a very good loser. I'm a very good loser, and I actually like that. I think it's important to understand you can't always be the best. And um, and I was I was good at it. I was never the best, um, and I I found that just pushed me harder. But um, as I say, with the swimming, I was never really sort of the top end of my sort of discipline. And it taught me discipline with training and, 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 and consistency. Uh, I mean, my parents drove that as well because you were like six days a week training. It was never going out on a Friday, Saturday night. I was always in the pool. Um, and then when I got to around about 13, 14, 15, that bracket, high school, um, found weights. Um, we had a small multi-gym with, um, in Balakameen that's myself and Trevor Christian, you may know of locally. No, he's down at the uh, yeah he's down at the NSC. He's uh, he's one of the coaches and organisers mm. at the NSC. He's, uh, yeah, he, so we we would go to the gym at lunch times. A couple of other people would would be there as well. And and I just found the love for lifting weights and um, ended up joining. I don't know if I joined to be honest or not, but I certainly went to the Nautilus gym, um, which was above Etams in Strand Street at the time. Um, around about fifteen, I think. I think I was probably underage at the time. So about 95, and um, I'd always been going to the gym with my dad. My dad used to go to Mike's gym in Summerland. I would only be a kid, but I would go down with him, and always had an interest. And um, and so we had the transition from swimming. I just decided, no, I just it wasn't very social outside um, of swimming. So I, I I ended up coming away from it. I think I was probably closer to 16, started driving, and um, and then it, it it went, yeah. So and then weights came into play. Was that was that initial using of weights as part of something you were you were interested in? <laughs> a friend here interested Hello. in <laughs> interested in uh, because of swimming. So part of the swimming training was using weights. Was just something you did using no, on the side? Yeah, back then, as I'm sure the swimmers who swam before me and even after me for a few years, it was purely training, swimming training. That's right. all we did. Um, now these days, as we know, strength training is, is important and is, is very much part of the program. But um, back then, I've got to be totally honest with you. Um, it, I suppose it was more of a vanity thing for me. I, okay. I wanted I wanted to change the way my body looked. Um, not, not in a like I hated myself. I had there's no, nothing like that at all. You know, I ate well. Um, pretty, being from Italian descent, I always had good food, good quality food, and I just I just enjoyed. Um, the weight side of things and the knock-on effect from lifting weights. Oh, Mid-eating mid a nut. So, so you leave school. Is that was that straight into a career? Then you went work-wise, or do you have to study off island? No, I, I uh, again at school mediocre. You know, I was never very academic. I was very much a hands-on type person, um, and um, Struggled a little bit, you know, I, my grades were okay. I didn't really get, you know, the, the most outstanding grades. Well, I didn't. Um, but um, I always wanted to be a police officer. So I, I'd wanted to be a police officer from the age of about seven when I had a trip around the police station from Onkin School, colouring competition. There were about five or six of us that got a trip around the police station with John Howardson. He was the uh, community Bobby, you might remember, if you're an Onkin boy yourself. 
Um, Never in trouble yeah, with the police, so no. No, 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 <laughs> no right, there you go then. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got a trip around the police station, and ever since then, um, I wanted to be a police officer. So I left mm-hmm. school at 16 knowing I couldn't go into the police then. And the plan, I don't know which 16-year-old has a plan, but the plan was kind of, I'm going to go and be a mechanic, love cars. So I trained as a mechanic for four years. I did the college apprenticeship wow. with EB Christians. And then the plan was to transition into the police after that, which which is what happened. Right. So yeah, you became a dog handler within the police. So, yeah. so I assume also through this period as well, you st- you you still don't. I I used to hit in the gym like like the, yeah. like I know what the phrase is, but you're still gymming it. If that's the right. Yeah, yeah, I was gymming it. Yeah, I was a member at Nautilus, and then eventually over to Proactive, um, right. which was the, above the old venue, the Crescent Leisure Centre there. Um, so yeah, I was around. Yeah, in the gym scene then. Um, what, I mean. Gone. Yeah, and again, is that um, just for health reasons, or was it a, a, the competitive side in in that sort of? We're looking at we're doing in competitions. I guess is kind of similar to what. I was. Yeah. No. I mean, I I was following. I used to buy like Flex magazine and following the bodybuilders then as well, and and I I enjoyed. I mean, I mean, I didn't get my first mobile phone until I was eighteen. You know, unlike now, so it wasn't like you had access online. You were looking at stuff all the time. It was purely seeing the guys, the local guys around me, um, and and what they looked like and what they what they did, and then buying magazines. It just inspired me, and I I I just wanted to, you know, you follow on the Schwarzenegger as a as a kid, you know, and and, and I just I just liked what the the knock on effect of the gym was, and I genuinely remember feeling good for doing it. So it just stuck. Yeah. I presume you've read Arnold's autobiography. I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I read it kind of six months ago now, and it is. Uh, didn't really know too much about Max. Obviously, he's a movie star. I knew his background of Mr. Universe, but to actually get gets inside his head quite a lot, or he talks quite, you know, about yeah. it's quite quite uh, quite opening actually, and how driven he yeah. was. It's a really yeah. good book. Yeah, I really recommend yeah. it to people to have yeah. a, uh, a listen or a watch. I was, I was it uh, is incredibly, so. incredibly driven. Yeah. So, so. So you mentioned you obviously went into the police, worked there for a number of years. And, and was that, I know you're a dog handler there, was that the prime job through that career in the police? No, no. So I was 19 when I joined um, and you had to do two years as a street bobby anyway. And then after you'd done two years, you were free to move within the, apply and move within the force to whichever department you, you wanted to, to get involved with. Um, but I'd always said, uh, and from speaking to, Thankfully, having experience, having experienced cops there when, when I was at that age, you know, with 20 years service on the street, which was incredible um, to have that. And, and that's really how you, le- you learn to police from the experienced cops. Use your mouth, you know, like driving a car, you learn to pass your test and then you actually learn to drive once you've passed. So, so I'd, I'd taken on that thought of, right, I'm going to do five years as a street bobby first and almost learn as much as I can from all the different sort of setups and, and, and requirements as a cop. And then I was going to move or try to move into dogs. And like most forces, dog handlers is what known known as dead man's shoes. Nobody wants to leave. It's hard to get in. Places aren't available that often. And um, I was fortunate that when my five years was coming to that, that first five years was coming to an end, I knew there was a spot going to be available. Um, and uh, I'd already spent probably the from year two to three going out with the dogs, calling into the office for a brew, going out on training days. They liked that, you know, like anything, you show an interest and, 
you know, show your commitment to a, a particular process, it, it, you know, it's going to go in your favour, surely. And that, I was always a bit of a trier. So, um, yeah, I would go out with them a lot. And, uh, and then the job came up and I applied and uh, was fortunate enough to get it. Yeah, I was going to say, so what was the reason behind you wanting to, to go dog handling out of all the, the aspects? What was the, have you had dogs previously or anything like that that kind of... Yeah, I mean, I, I had had... I had had dogs. I had happened to have German Shepherds um, or a German Shepherd at the time. <clears throat> but in all honesty, it comes back to that whole academic side of things. I, you know, I wanted a hands-on job and dog handling was a hands-on job, you know, as well as, for example, later went into firearms as well. It was hands-on, whereas like CID and absolutely no disrespect to CID because they're incredible people and they're very talented and clever people. But that just wasn't my thing. A lot of writing, a lot of, you know, I just, I wanted to be on the front line and being impactive on the front line with a practical skill. Um, and I was brought up around dogs. I had quite a good um, understanding of them, should we say, and, and, and it, I feel it carried through into, the, into that, that sort of line of work and enabled me to eventually then um, almost, well, I did, you know, I, I would coach other handlers, new handlers that came in uh, once I become more experienced. And, and it, it was, it was a, uh, an instructor pathway I was I was on as I left, but it, it never I never came to that. In the end, I, I was never there long enough to actually become an official instructor. So, so that that you mentioned there that that uh, before you left and as you leave, then is that was that immediately straight into into doing coaching from from there? Or was there a transition period? Were you doing yeah. a bit on private work? Should we say beforehand? Yeah, there was. So I did. I did uh, 15 years in total in the police, five years on the street and 10 years with the dogs. Um, and then through, through multiple reasons um, towards the end why I decided to leave, because it was always a career for life, the police, you know, and that was my intention. It was, I'm in the police for 30 years and I'm going to retire. You know, I would actually be retiring in nine years time now, had I still been in. I'd been in 20 years in, in this October coming. Uh, with another 10 to go, give or take. So I would have been 49 in retirement. Anyway, digress. Um, I uh, I just decided that things were changing, as life does. And I almost, I wouldn't say I didn't like it, but I was becoming a little bit uncomfortable with the change, really. And I'm not someone who doesn't like change. Don't get me wrong, I like change. But for example, um, just restraints that were, were put in place. Or no, I need to be careful in that respect. I don't mean restraints in place. Just life changed um pol policies changed yeah. um and you know i i wasn't i felt like i wasn't able to be as much of a police officer as i was in my early career yeah, yeah. um you know society changed as well you know the, it wasn't as busy in regards to the social scenes um so the work changed but at the same time i i i almost developed an ambition to be a bit more successful not that being a police officer isn't successful no, but for myself I wanted to have my own thing. Yeah. Um, and obviously being into training for so long by then, um, I'd also done, uh, I qualified as a level two, level three personal trainer via focus uh, training in 2003, um, just as online. I just did that as a, as an interest and I, you know, and, and you know, with training and what have you. So I had that there. Um, and then um, I, progressed my sort of training um, interests and seeing that the online coaching thing start to develop 
um, towards about 2000 and what 2007 maybe 2008 and followed okay. a few people online who were doing this online coaching and then just through helping friends I would help friends out um, on, on the, you know for free just yeah. to help them out and um, and then I started to realize there's something here there's a bit of an I felt like I had something there a bit of a niche maybe nobody locally was doing online coaching um, so I did that for a few years on the side, um, and then I started competing um, when I was 30. I was actually I was later than most, which I'm okay. I'm thankful for. If I'm honest, massively thankful. Um, so I, when I started competing, I really started to pick up the online side of things, um, and again doing more for free because I was conscious. I'm a police officer, um, you know everything's above board. Um, you know I can't yeah, be yeah. charging on the side, and you know it, it just it didn't sit yeah. right with me. So um, it was just favors. It was just favors. But those favors have had a knock-on effect to my business now because it almost built me up, uh, um, uh, like credibility and um, and results for people. You know, rather than starting fresh with no results, especially now, really hard to become established, um, and especially make a living out of it as well. So so I had probably the best part of five years of of just on the side work and and having that portfolio available uh, to me you, you read a lot about people starting up their own businesses and that ability to you know everyone wants to charge something on day one but often if you've got a skill set you need to kind of build like you say a client base a reputation and that's through you know in essence free free work and to, to get that reputation that then then creates the value that you can charge clients uh, exactly, exactly yeah 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 that's so, and that's tough it's tough. It's hard for people to, I think, understand that. Um, and it's maybe, some would say it's unfair. It's like they've got to make a living. It's like, well, yeah, I get that. But, you know, you, you've got to start low, unfortunately, I feel. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're right. So then was there a, somewhere, I wouldn't say a day, but you remember going, it's, it's time. I need to flick the switch here and, and get out of the police for the, for the reasons you touched on and, and perhaps start a venture on my own. There was... Um, there was a point where, and every police officer gets it, you know, um, things get on top of you a little bit, um, depending on what jobs you, de you, you deal with. Uh, and it's quite interesting. I'm sure we'll, bring, we'll come up with it later, but only now, nearly 20 years later, over the last year, I realized there's some PTSD issues from certain jobs that I've dealt with. Oh, right, okay. um, but it wasn't that that triggered me, oh, I have to go because of this. I, I had no idea about those issues till about a year ago. Anyway digress so there was a point yeah where I was just I found myself constantly at work um which you know with with, with a um a disciplined service I accepted from day one that's the way it was you know with any job there's staff shortages and demand and they were getting more and more and more on everybody and I was a bit of a yes man so it would be yep 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 anyway I'd always said from day one when it started to affect my home life I'd reconsider um, and so I did, it started to affect home life, uh, not so much directly. My wife was like at the time, as she still is incredibly supportive and just supported me. Um, but it wasn't fair and, and quality of life at the time for me was, was slipping a bit and, and that's not ideal for anybody. So, um, I, I want to act on that. I'm like, no, you know, I follow people like Gary V, um, who else is as well as it was another chap as well I was following at the time who you hear this motivational stuff and about you know one life and I'm, I'm a very much one life person with one life we've got to make the most of it as hard as decisions might be 
to then digress from a path you're on, for me, I feel it's massively important because I'm not lying on my grave and going, shit, sorry, I, I wish I'd done. I wish I had, you know, at least I can always say I tried it. It didn't work. I went back and I tried many different sideline businesses in that career path of the police that failed massively um, and cost me a lot of money as well. But um, they're all experiences that I don't regret. And they're a molding of, I think, how my business is now, for example, or my life is now. So, yeah, so so it came to a point where I made the, we, we made the decision as a, as, a, as a couple. It was time to move on. Um, step one, though, because it was quite sad for me because I'd always wanted to be a cop since I was seven, genuinely, genuinely wanted to be a cop since I was seven, um, as much as a seven-year-old knows what he wants in life. Um, so it was a really tough call. I had quite a bit of disappointment from the family um, because they were proud and it was a secure job. Uh, they didn't see the personal training world as a secure job. Um, and naturally, as families do, they have concerns, don't they? So, um, yeah, of course, yeah. you know, understandably. Um, but I, I kind of stuck to my guns. And the kind of deal I made with myself was, right, I, I am going to uh, register as, as a business, uh, have approval for a second business outside of the police, which I went through. And so I did everything above board. Um, tax, insurance, et cetera, et cetera, it was qualified. And um, I promised myself that I would um, run the online business uh, and whatever PT I could do in my days off um, alongside the police um, for a minimum of six months before I left to see that I could hit my minimum, what I needed to live, what we needed. And it was horrific. It was horrific. It nearly finished me, to be honest. Uh, I actually rolled on to nine months. Um, wow of doing that before I actually left. Um, was that just long hours type yeah, of thing? Yeah. yeah. See, what I did was I left the dogs, which in itself was, was awful, but I decided to come off dogs because the commitment for the dogs was 24-7. And to have the dogs and UPT and all the rest of it just wouldn't have worked. So I went back on the vans as a, as a, as a street bobby. I was going to be doing the six days on, four days off. So that four days off was where I was going to do it. So I effectively didn't really have much time off. Um, at all um, so that's what I did um, whilst I was trying yeah. to establish uh, a sideline business that I saw or we saw could support us uh, at, to a minimum level not like profiting just breaking even uh, covering our bills sold everything so I was into my jet skis for years I had a fancy jet ski sold the jet ski my, my, my was my release got rid of that got just got rid of everything so no debt yeah. Um, or apart from like a car loan, for example, which was only a small car loan at the time. And, and that, that was it. Then once we saw that we can do this and it was a case of you either do it or you don't, cause you, you're going to pop otherwise. Yeah. Um, I left. It, it, is, it is a, uh, like you say, and I suppose the family flagging it, it's, it's ultimately a ballsy move, isn't it? Cause the, the mentality is secure a job. Great. Everyone always says great pension, which, you know, all those things are important and to, to step away and, uh, and do it. Yeah. It's a ball, it's a ballsy move. Uh, yeah. It was scary times, but um, absolutely no regrets. Um, oh, sure. I kind of, I hope, I hope, I don't know if I, this is right, but I hope maybe it inspired a few people at the time because with any job, people get stuck in a rut, don't they? Mm. And, yep. you know, some, sometimes people just need a little bit of a push um, to make a, a different move. And yeah. um there was definitely when I left um, a, a group of us around that 15, 20 year service that left, that left, you know, people decided to move on and it was kind of unheard of. Cause I said, it's career for life. 
the yeah. police. And I have to say, uh, you know, um, and genuinely mean that, that the police uh, was the best thing that happened to me. And I, you know, I have no regrets. Uh, I'm still on good terms with everybody there. They looked after me um, very, very well. And, you know, despite what anyone else might say, I've got no bad sort of, you know, yeah, it was yeah. just part, part of my life that taught me a lot. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and I've moved on. So, obviously, you've moved into that 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 online coaching space. Then, is there? I suppose that that's I suppose just changes generally in your because we all change and develop over the years. So, what we're talking ten or twelve years, you've been doing that now, if not longer. Uh, your so if we just deal with the present day and and look at your sort of ethos and how you approach things and, and do things. So, we started off just before we came on here. We were talking about and something I was reading on your feed about uh, good habits. So like a lot of people, they want, I guess, want a fitness trainer for just to help lose weight, I guess, uh, as well as, well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're better to tell me than that. Uh, but uh, the, the, the fundamentals start with having good habits, I guess, was I suppose why I wanted to start this particular part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in regard, like, I'll be honest, like at the start of when I went into the online world, should we say the coaching world, I was doing personal training. And all those personal training clients were also online clients. So it's like a hybrid model, as they call it. Um, but my sole focus was fat loss. That was what it was then. Um, you know, new into it, um, trying to learn as much as I could or develop even more as much as I could. And it was the focus was weight loss, fat loss. Fat loss predominantly. Um, some of the courses I ran um, at the start of, of, of all this were, were very much uh, evidence-based. Okay. Um, so backed by science, not no fads, hated fads, uh, still hate fads, and believe in a balanced setup. And that's been how I've been from the start. But my, my focus at the start in regards to the avatar of client was people who wanted to lose body fat and get shredded. That right. was, you know, maybe I think because I competed uh, or still compete, but the, um, the, the fact I'd been through that process and I could relate that mm. or people, you know, it was relatable with, with the clients. Um, that was what I was really keen on at the start. But come to the fast forward to the present day, um, in all honesty, like I do prep people for stage, but very rarely now. It, it, I, I don't really push that agenda at all because I'm more about that internal environment and the knock on effect of our health for yeah. getting shredded. You know, it isn't the most healthiest thing to do. Um, it causes a lot of um, eating issues, um, bad relationship with food. Depending on how it's managed, I truly believe that if it's managed correctly, um, like I like to think the way I coach it when it when it is a, a client, it's 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 isn't chicken brown rice and green beans with me. No chance, no chance. It just I don't do that for my own competing. So why would I do it for anyone else? But now it's like you said, it's habit creating. It's if someone's been in a situation where they've been in a particular lifestyle for God ten years, you know, it can be longer even twenty years. You know, and then they decide I want to, I need to, and I want to improve my health. Those habits over that time, um, they're hard habits to break, and therefore, for me, the the almost the 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 contact with the client is very much about breaking those habits, yeah. learning new habits, um, and and putting things in place to to help them and support them, um, to that, and yeah. and that's why I like the internal environment first. You improve that internal environment, so. Um, upgrading everything inside, making the, the, the stomach health as, as healthy as possible through good quality foods, 
building good relationship with all food groups and not eliminating socials and all those things that we we do predominantly day to day you need to keep that in place and then therefore slowly um coaching the mind to um being confident in the new path that you're trying to force it down yeah the chat we chat with sam murphy a few weeks ago and he certainly comes at it from a number of different angles but similar as well of uh, of, of habit creating good habit creating and something i've kind of been trying to learn myself over the over a number of years that uh, that seems to be the fun or seems to be the fundamental building block i guess to to, to everything else whatever you're trying to do around it i suppose for me it's doing a little bit of cycling for other people it might be bodybuilding for other people it might be running etc mm. um, so generally if some if you had to give a tip for someone just starting out going yeah you know what, i need to i need to refresh i need to maybe it is lose weight or just getting a health, healthy lifestyle. Is, is, what, where is that starting point? Is it writing a list of, well, these are, these are the habits that I think I need to kick or working with someone to look at the habits they need to not kick, but maybe change from? So I, I, the approach I like to use to start with is, is that, is that understanding, firstly, understanding the goal, what's the goal. Um, and, and it is almost a shift in lifestyle, but for example, you know, if someone is overweight, then, it's having that's going to have a detrimental effect to their health, their internal health. So it's important, no matter what we say, you need to reduce body fat levels. Therefore, you will reduce weight. At the same time, somebody who is healthy, but they just they just want to have an improved and upgraded environment and an upgraded um, physique, for example, um, but more so that internal and feeling good. Again, there's still a goal. There's still a like, well, what what are we trying to achieve here? So once the goal is established, it's then an honesty chat with yourself and and your coach or whoever okay so what what has been going on what have i been doing and for how long have i been doing this and and yeah right almost write it down and the realization was wow do you know what i've i've been having um three four bottles of wine a week for the last six months for example uh, or or longer you know and that's not a habit that can be changed like that you know for me i'd be like well we've had okay, you've had four bottles of wine a week for God knows how long, and then a binge on a Saturday. So we're just, just reducing things down slightly. Um, but it, calories are king. I'm quite big with calories, and I know and appreciate that it doesn't suit everybody knowing where your calorie intake is. And, and I don't want to get into the, the, the science of it at all, but my, the point of bringing it up is if you've got no idea what's, um, what's going in, you've, you've got no idea how to adjust um, it's like wearing a blindfold and trying to hit the dartboard. So at the start of any process, it, it would be very much, let's get a handle on what we're eating and how much we're eating and quantities. Um, and a lot of the time you find that you, you have that um, under eating mentality un- unknowingly uh, and then with a binge at the end. And, and I, I have to be careful with the word binge because um, like my interpretation of a binge and someone else's could be completely different. But what I mean is like under eating in the week, you know, not really having very good quality food, but low amounts. Um, and then on a Friday, Saturday night takeout, you know, the, the kind of normal setup, which is throwing calories really, really high and then putting weight on and having mm-hmm. a knock on effect to your health because you're putting weight on every week. So it's to say, I think to summarize that question, a realization of where you are and, 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 securing in a goal of like what am i trying to achieve and and setting um short-term medium-term long-term goals um and and then that honesty with right okay yeah this this is how it's actually been and then you can build a plan around that 
I was watching a clip from you put out just in the new year about, so I guess New Year's obviously often a time people, you know, make resolutions to, to, to get fit, go to the gym, et cetera. And I think you, uh, I think you used the word tough, tough love in there and, mm. and said to people, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a believer as well of thing, things like that, that it's hard work. The reality is perhaps eat, eating healthy stuff is harder work because it's harder often to source than to go to get unhealthy or less healthy food, should I say. Yeah. Or so, convenient uh, food. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I think that's something I, I'd resonate that, uh, any of it's hard work, gyms, going to the gym's hard work, training's hard work, but changing those habits, all, all, all the good things are hard, are harder, but that's not a reason not to do it. No, oh, and yeah. I think it's also, sorry, go on. No, no, say no, I'm just agreeing on you on that side as well, because with my, you know, um, kind of development and trying to get a bit healthier and things like that, um, I'm horrendous for chocolate, and how I am, and it's identifying things like that, and when I try to look at the diet, the balance and things like that. It was that case, write it down, what are you eating during a week? And you re- you kind of realize that, yeah, that, that's what you don't see, you don't just see it as in, you know, you'll, you'll go in and have a little bit and forget about it. And oh, it's the next day. And it's, it's, you said, it, it's those, that habit, you know, that word that we all use that, you know, because you, you're not thinking about it, it's already built in, you, you go in and you do it. And it is. It was uh, hard, you know. Trying to change that is not as simple as someone saying, "We're well, right, weight loss." Okay, we'll stop do stop doing it. And then, and I completely agree there that people go the other end and they just then undereat, because um, that that's the thing. And yeah, it's. Uh, I I kind of makes me because people will say, and I'm sure you see it a lot when they may be talking about reducing certain food types. And people will say, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty of it as well, but people say, I can't live without cheese, can't live without chocolate. Yeah. And that's obviously something in the head because clearly you can, <laughs> because no, you the can. human race has, but it's, it's changing that you wiring. Can. You can. No, no, sorry. Well, that's it. She said, rather than that chocolate or that, that crooks or whatever be in, it's now fruit or it's now something that is a healthier alternative. So when you have that craving, you have that need, though, you'd usually open the fridge and there's a chocolate bar instead. It's it's the fruit, it's the nuts, it's the whatever you want it to be, and that that's just that subtle replacement that for me builds on a on a better lifestyle. Habit. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting the two points you mentioned there. So, like for example, you mentioned about cheese. You know, like you can have cheese. You know, you can have chocolate, but then it's it's if you can account for it, it make especially if you're trying to improve improve things and um. And the chocolate side of things, if you can account for all that, then you should include it. I would encourage it. You know, I have clients who do have a bottle of beer a night. You know, I have a client in the UK, works on site on a weekend. Um, he, he eats very well and healthily and plans his food all week. And, and an agreement, I don't even agreement, but he said, look, gee, on a Saturday, I'm right near a McDonald's. I love a McDonald's. Can I have a McDonald's on a Saturday morning? Yeah, you can. So he has a McDonald's every Saturday morning, you know? Mm. It, it's that balance and it's, it's trying to educate people that quantities matter quality matter but you can include them you can include everything with if you have an idea and an understanding of what you're taking on board and and use what i call and not just me but the industry uses as the um 80 20 rule or the 70 30 rule as you might have heard of you know it's it's 70 or 80 percent of your food choices come from whole food single ingredient foods and then that that whatever percentage you've got left whether it be the 20 percent or 30 percent 
comes from processed and semi-processed foods. Ideally, I would obviously go more semi-processed and keep the processed, you know, as, as minimal as possible, but including it because it stops you building up a bad relationship with food. It stops you developing intolerances, which we, unfortunately, we all do. And that's another subject on its own about intolerances, especially things like bread. Um, but it allows you to live normally. Yeah. If you can include all those things and you're not missing certain, you know, the sooners and I frustrating when coaches take things out of people's diets, they remove no chocolate, no, you know, and obviously goal dependent nine times out of 10, these people aren't getting on stage. So there's no necessity for that ridiculous sort of setup. Um, you're just going to in, induce a potential binge at the end of the week or at your, or their mind's going to go pop because they've just taken a whole food group off somebody or a, a whole what they need, whereas it could have been penciled in quite easily, quite easily, and progress would still happen. So, so you, mentioned, you mentioned semi-processed. What, what would you class as semi? Is that uh, perhaps a nut bar that's been processed into a nut bar rather than just eating the nuts? Is that what you consider a semi type yeah, of process? Yeah, so, that, so things like bagels, um, okay. yogurt, uh, protein powder. Um, yeah, those sort of things that have got a whole food element in there and then there's been a process to put the yeah. extras in, should we say. Yeah, yeah, okay. And in regard to the, I mean, on a lot of the podcasts when we chat to people, the subject always comes around psychology. The, I presume that ultimately plays a massive part in, in clients yeah, and yeah. certainly in, in, you, in you as well. I'm sure there's a lot of that going on that probably needs a psychology agree to, to understand how, because I'm sure most clients' brains tick slightly differently as well and just how yeah. to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, there's, there's definitely a line in that respect in regards to where I can go and where I can't go, you know, what I'm qualified to. To, to educate on should we say and support but that you know i think the psychology of it is you know is is you tell you tell someone no or don't hit the red button they're going to want to hit the red button same with us as adults and food you know no do not eat any cheese do not eat and you know and you know it's gonna whereas no no you can have you yeah. can have you, it's just that education of let's just educate you on quantities and your amounts you know, and, and, and take it from there and, and, and build in that education, almost like a re-education, which I feel should be definitely introduced into schools a bit more now. Uh, you know, why are we not taught at schools a little bit more about this sort of thing? Um, I mean, forgive me, it could be changing already. I don't know. But, and uh, do you mean re-education as in re-education around health? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But nutrition, really. Yeah. I yeah, think. yeah. Yeah. Because, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, with, with health and fitness, you mentioned before about, um, you know, go into the gym. It's hard. Everything is hard in regards to improving our health, but small steps, you know, as, as you might see in my video from the start of the year, it's, you don't, don't zero to hero it, you know, don't go from doing nothing to everything. Just going for a walk every day is going to improve your health. Yeah. If you have three chocolate bars a day, have two, that's going to be an improvement. And then over time, habit builds in, you go from two to one, you stick with one a day, you know, already, let's say each chocolate bar is 250 calories. You know, you're 500 calories a day better off. Yeah. Chances are, if you had a bit of walking in and take two bars away and keep one in, you're going to lose weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you haven't yeah. changed anything else in your life. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting because you mentioned there about that time there as well because that's something else I read about. You know, things do take time as well. So, you know, if you've had 10 years of bad habits, if that's the case, it's not in six months you'll start to see progression. And there's, a, as you mentioned earlier, short, medium, long-term goal, but that, that long-term goal can take a while to get to as well. So I guess, yeah. I guess people need patience huge, as well. Huge. Yeah. It's, which is, I appreciate it's frustrating for people. You know, they, they certainly when I've had 
consultations with people and they've had that 10 year and they think in 12 weeks they're going to be a, a different person yeah. you know and 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 it's and it's about managing expectations you know and and i've definitely got better with that as as i've developed as a coach and being a little bit more brutal it's like look you know i'm sorry but you can forget 12 weeks you know yeah, yeah. You, you're you're potentially a year away from where you want to be you know you need that understanding that it is not going to be overnight you see that i mean again it's not criticism but you know you download apps and they're like having have abs in six weeks yeah and that you know and it is a kind of yeah in instant i suppose instant gratification world that we all live in that we all kind of want ultimately but i think when it comes to health and well-being that's that's i mean it's a lifelong thing ultimately isn't it but it's to get to a comfortable place if you've been in a not a great place it does take time for sure yeah yeah no it does so uh moving on to well let's switch subjects slightly but on the same subject but protein so i want to chat to you about protein because i share my views of protein i as a cyclist i used protein powder for four or five years because it was the thing to do really i never really under and i suppose well it is not never really i just the pros had it after they raced, so therefore it helped recovery, have protein. And it was something I did for a number of years. And I suppose only in the last few years where I've actually tried to educate myself rather than going, well, because someone else does it, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. I've then tried to understand and listen to things about how much protein intake I need or I think I need, where it comes from nature anyway, and therefore what am I supplementing? And I stopped taking protein powders uh, around two years ago now, and I've probably not had one since then. I'm certainly not protein deficient because I don't think anyone's ever died from protein deficiency. That said, it can clearly help muscle repair. You know, studies have shown that as well. Where's your stance on it? Because again, I, as, a, as a, just a, a general consumer walking in the shop, you'll see a yogurt. It'll have ex, it'll have high protein in, and someone like, oh, high protein. But I'm not sure it com- computing in their head that that's good or bad. They just think, oh, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? And I don't know. What's your views on? It seems to be overhyped. It's my own view. This is my own view. Protein seems overhyped for the general day-to-day person just living, maybe even not into any kind of fitness, and they're buying things that have this high protein, like it's a big sell point. And I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I just seems a bit overhyped to me. But yeah, I, I appreciate so the body world. It is a lot different as well because it is yeah, is I mean, a key part to that process. There is. I mean, for, for general health, for general just being healthy. Um, we all should consume a minimum amount of protein a day. You know, there's guidelines out there. Uh, the latest like sort of evidence that I, I go by, like science that I go by is 1.2 grams per kilogram of body weight, which is quite low if I'm honest, but we know that that's sufficient. Um, and, and it's funny because I read something, sorry to interrupt something recently and they were, and again, I can't remember where I read it, but they were down as low as 0.6 per, per kilo per body, per kilo of body weight. Well, so go. yeah, I know it's forever changing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, and I'm not I'm, saying I'm I'm anywhere no, no, what no, I read no, was right, yeah, but yeah, yeah. And, and likewise, you know, I mean, I like I like to think where I get my um, my uh, education. Oh, you'd be better informed than me, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is, I mean, and you've highlighted it even further. We, we do know now we don't need as much as we once thought we did. Yeah. The body, you know, it, it needs a, a certain amount, but it's not as anywhere near as high as it used to be. And um, and I, I do agree with you. I think it's been it certainly overhyped um with with um how much was once needed and i think that comes down to the retail world and and obviously making money um mm-hmm. i'm i'm a i'm very pro protein powders but um food will always pioneer powders 
And if yeah. you can supplement your protein with food solely, then you, for me, um, you will have the best outcome. Um, we know that you can't have damage from excessive amounts of protein. There's no issues with the kidneys or the liver, as it was once thought. And that comes from even having protein powder. We, we know this. There's, there's science out there to support this. Um, there's definitely an, 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 an amount that you can overeat that's wasted and the body either excretes it or it converts it to energy to use for other, other systems. So it's almost a waste of food. Um, whereas you could be eating more carbohydrates, you could be eating more healthier fats, you know? So when you look at it, and we're not going to detail with it as such, but if you, if for example, you're supposed to consume 2000 calories a day and you're over consuming on protein and that equates to nearly a thousand calories, when you actually only need 500 calories from protein, you're then potentially missing out on um, 500 calories of, of nice, tasty food that's going to give you more bang for your buck from your carbs and your fats. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you see what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's no, just, absolutely. again, it's, it's that understanding of how much do I really need? What are my goals? Yeah, Coming back yeah. to your goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I feel protein is a convenient and effective way to make sure you're getting above your minimum. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and if you need to use it, you use it. If you don't need to use it, you can get it from food. Fantastic. Um, I have clients that use it and, and don't use it. And it's yeah. either a personal preference or um, they, they just financial side of things as well, to be honest. And that's another consideration. Um, but it certainly plays a part um, when we need it to. So, so you mentioned then you're talking about uh, ca calories in general. And it's something I've, I've always, again, I've, lost a little bit of weight over the last couple of years, but I, I've never been a calorie counter and never, I've always found it quite daunting, you know, looking at, I guess, products and going, how many is this? How much, how much is five? If I put hundred grams in, is that a common problem you have with, with client, not a problem, but clients who, who are daunted by the thought yeah. of, I need to weigh me, weigh me food type. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and, and certainly in the sort of physique type worlds and even performance when it's, when the goal is a little bit more than just, maybe towards a competition. Like I work with some CrossFitters, so they, they, they compete. So there's an element of accuracy that's needed there. Um, but even with the, the weight loss, fat loss, I tried to stay away from weight loss because we're, we're focused on the fat loss for health. But you need that accuracy in there. So knowing your calories is, is a useful tool. Now you'll get a lot of coaches, a lot of huge coaches in regards to their, um, how, how um, celebrity type people that they yeah. are. Um, James Smith PT for, for one. I don't know if you follow James Smith online. He's, yeah, yeah. he's someone who's really come to volition over the last few years. Um, I don't follow him anymore. He is a certain style. Um, he's very good though. Like despite me saying that he's very good and he's to the point and he's, he's evidence-based and he knows what he's talking about, but he despises meal plans. He says we should not be as coaches giving meal plans to our clients. He, he says that's wrong. Um, he says uh, that we all, like yourselves, for example, you have a meal plan. It's the food you eat every day. It's just educating you how to improve it. I disagree. I disagree. And my reasons for disagreeing is, like you just highlighted there, it's daunting. If you're new to it, if you've got no idea how to track your food, how to um, you know, know you're eating X amount of calories, uh, you know, how, how are you supposed to learn? So for me, at the start of any process, there's, there's meal plans to suit your day, to suit what you like, not what I think you like, what you like. Yeah. And I'll make sure that they are 
um, in line with your, your goals, in line with the minimum protein, in line with minimum fat intake, you don't have to worry then. But for me, the client then builds a confidence in what they're doing because they can follow it and see the change. But then there's a transition off that to then tracking, you know, and there's a stage that I would go through with the client with how we would go through that understanding of calories. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of my thought with that. I guess a client ultimately needs to, as we all do, if it's a a change and it's different, invest time in understanding it. And I suppose when I look at, and I think about my own scenario of not wanting to calorie count, it's because I've never done it. Therefore, I just need to educate myself how to do it and how it becomes part of routine then. So when I am making something, if that if the calorie counts are a focus for me, it isn't. But if it was, then I just, you know, I'll go away and educate myself about that. So so it becomes second nature that when I see this much broccoli, I know well, that's X amount of whatever's in that. Because I'm sure you probably look down the fruit aisle and don't see the prices you probably see got X amount <laughs> um, of calories. That's got X amount of <laughs> no, do you know what? It, I mean it, just going off what you've just you've you've highlighted then, you know, I think for anyone listening or and yourselves, the most uh, easiest route into starting to track is is for example i push my fitness pal that's the one i use and um, you would download the app and do not worry about anything other than just taking your time or not even taking your time just making an effort to to log what you are eating throughout the day and spend weeks just like you know what today i'm going to make a point of tracking my food hopefully you, you've had the option you've got the option for the barcode reader there's a barcode right. reader click don't worry about anything other than what calories you're having you know, and then you start to understand, oh, wow, do you know what? Um, there's 500 calories in that, like a, a latte and a muffin. Yeah. You know, you could have, it depending on what size latte you have, you could have the best part of 800 calories out of a latte and a muffin. Uh, if yeah. your daily intake is 2,000 calories, you've only got six uh, yeah. mass on that. Yeah, you know, yeah, you haven't got yeah, much yeah. left the rest yeah. of the day. Do you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah, yeah. having all of a sudden to understand that, it's like, oh, shit, no wonder I can't lose weight because I'm having a latte and a coffee. Uh, a latte and a muffin every morning or twice yeah, a day yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. no I, I agree because i had a little stint of trying that calorie counting and i'm i'm the same of it being a bit daunting because i used my fitness pal um and to me looking at it they were just numbers i didn't really know what to do or what you know as in okay they had pretty, they had pretty colored pie charts or whatever it was i was like oh is that good is that bad but it's that, as you said, it's investing the time to really, and I, I mean, coming from someone who is guilty of saying exactly what you shouldn't be doing in that sense of looking at it and being like, yeah, I've got no idea what it means. I'm doing it because I was kind of told to have a look at it and see what happens, but nothing really came out of it. Yeah. And I, I remember okay. doing that for a lot of people who, who go down that route of, oh, I'm going to start, you know, getting on the calorie count. They do it. And without investing the time and actually making an effort, it doesn't, you don't get, anything out of the data or you know spend that time to actually use it properly yeah exactly i think i mean the two things i was going to bring up about that and my fitness pal is first thing like you said if 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 the goal is big enough if your health is important enough and a necessity to you 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 will do it and at the same time if you find when you're doing it shit this is hard you know you can seek support and but i think once you've kind of grasped that oh okay i see how it works you know you, you learn a new skill with it and you, you think, oh, do you know what? My typical day, I am eating 2,000 a day or I'm eating 3,000 a day and it suits my lifestyle. I feel good. I'm performing well. I'm sleeping well. You could almost put that away, especially if your goal isn't 
specifically compositional or you don't feel you want to lose any weight you're happy but you now learned and understood I, you know what i know i manage around about three thousand calories a day so you can put that to one side and almost leave it because you know and then the flip side i want to bring up is a lot of people say to me and i've said to my clients you're obsessive that's obsessive you're tracking your food every day that's obsessive and i understand that and it's it's good and it's important and healthy to put it to one side but I don't see what's obsessive about our health. Do you know what I mean? If, I mean, th- th- there's a line, I get it, but you need a certain amount of obsession to, to, to be successful in anything. Um, it's, it's funny, though, using that word because it just got me, it reminded me of the word failure, which has come up on a few podcasts. And you mentioned it earlier about, I suppose, losing and that fa- failure is not a bad thing. Just like the word obsession isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there's just that connotation of, oh, you're obsessed or, 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 yeah, and, and that connotation that that's a negative, and it's not. I don't think that's necessarily always no. the case. No, I, I, I don't think so. I think it's important. You know, if I have if I have kids, I'm going to make sure they lose and know what it's like to lose, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you learn so you learn so much yeah, from yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yeah, and bad yeah. experiences. You learn so much from bad experiences, getting it wrong, yeah. and you know you, you're going to learn more from that than winning all the time. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, 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 switch on to another subject. We'll chat about for a, a CPD oil. Mm. Some, something you use, something that's of interest, something you it find is. beneficial? It is, yes. Um, I don't know if you saw, I did a little interview with Giles and Alex from the dispensary in Douglas here in the Isle of Man uh, last Tuesday on my Facebook page. But yeah, I, as they said and as I'd say, um, is it for everyone? Um, I used CBD and it's almost, you could say, translating to my PTSD issues that I... I sort of sorting out at the moment uh sleep for the last probably yeah probably last five years since i left i left you know i've been self-employed now august end of august will be five years i've been gone from the police and certainly since leaving the police um my sleep deteriorated massively um whether it's because i was shift worker for 15 years i don't know and i'm you know working nights bits and pieces but Sleep was always a problem for me. And then I was very aware the knock-on effect, as we all know, with recovery and especially with training, um, I was missing out on, on, on recovery and, and then productivity and you know, being able to function more optimally throughout my day and, and getting stuff done. So I, back then, I looked at all sorts. I tried all sorts. I've taken sleeping tablets. I was taking night nurse for, for a long time, but then you get almost immune to it. I was taking things like I was having my parents codeine type tablets to knock me out that's how desperate it was because i just you know insomnia i suppose um two three hours sleep a night and it just you can't function like that um so i would try all sorts and then i went down the cbd route when that came out and it was all about cbd and and that that's the thing to do spent hundreds of pounds on cbd the odd time i'd find one or i would use a product that i would sleep a little bit better uh, but in all honesty, it didn't really make a difference, that much of a difference to my life back then. And I, I stopped doing it. And then I started doing the whole meditation thing and, you know, and look at my sleep hygiene, which I'm sure you probably spoke about with Sam when he was on. Sam Murphy, very big on sleep hygiene and management of, of pre-bed setup. Um, so I looked at all that and, and tried to improve in those areas. I mean, a new business as well. I was working... 18 hour days yeah stressful you know so i i kind of put all that down to it and you know i'd have good weeks bad weeks and fast forward to this year or last year sorry um 
I mean, I, I went a few steps further with, with using prescription drugs as well to, to help me sleep. That's how desperate it became. Uh, and then eventually realized that there was actually some underlying issues going on um, and I needed some help and have had some help and it's been incredible. It's almost, it's changed my world to be honest. So um, going to the CBD then, uh, Giles, who I know anyway, he, he did contact me and said, listen, you know, we, we're really going into the CBD side of things. Um, we'd be interested to hear how you, um, we'd get on with one of our products if you give it a go type thing. And I was a bit like, mm. it's never, I told him, I was honest, you know, it didn't work for me last time. And I've since understood there's a lot of fake out there. There's a lot of stuff that hasn't got the right ingredients, in, incredible ingredients in. I mean, I believe I only found out on Tuesday on the, on the interview that there's products on Amazon that people are buying that has no, no active ingredient in there that does what it's supposed to do. Uh, and it was interesting after that webinar on uh, that interview on Tuesday, I had a message from a guy to say, do you know what? No, no wonder I've been buying all my stuff from Amazon and sometimes I'm getting a good one. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm and he says, it's like night and day with my sleep. Um, anyway, so sure enough, the experience I genuinely have had with their products, um, has been incredible, like life changing right, to the point okay. where I, I will sleep seven hours a night now. Right. Okay. Even though I've got some things going on, uh, they're, they're, they're very much controlled and, and being managed at the moment. Um, I am sleeping seven hours. Uh, as long cool. as I get my hygiene right at the start, I'm, I'm sleeping from using CBD. So, so that CBD is used for, for, for you. Because when, when I, I looked at it and I tried it a little bit, the bits I read, this was 18 months ago now, it was supposed to help inflammation within the body. So which, again, comes down to recovery, which therefore makes your training more efficient next time you do it. And that was the reason I was quite interested in it. And I, I used it. And again, different studies you read say, and, you know, some people it takes six months to have an effect. But I was using it for that inflammation side of things to try and reduce the inflammation. Is your motive then, was your motives, I use the word solely, but primarily then around to help you sleep? All, all I wanted was, I just wanted to sleep. You know, <laughs> I I just, honestly, 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 because uh, I mean, as you, you probably know yourself, you know, you, you go, you don't sleep all night and then you fall asleep in the daytime mm. and then productivity is dropping off. But I was very aware that out of everything, like, you know, if I wanted to be more successful, if I wanted to perform better, if I wanted to earn more money, if I wanted to have a better relationship because I'm more attentive, it all boiled down to having better sleep. And I knew that if I could get my sleep sorted, everything else would fall into place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my sole purpose. And yeah. as you said, yeah, the inflammation side of things, it's, as you probably know, if you've done your research with CBD, it sounds like you have it's the, the knock on effects isn't just your sleep. It's, it's everything. It's, there's so many good benefits to it. Um, yeah. I might and have to so, try, yeah. try it again. Yeah. I went through it. I think I tried about tw 12 weeks and just, it was more not, it wasn't a bad thing experience either. It was just, I didn't, I kind of feel now I'm fairly in tune when things aren't right. It might take me a few days to realize things aren't right in, in my own body, but I'm fairly now I don't really eat rubbish food. I'm fairly good at, and I just didn't notice any improvement, but maybe it's time to, again, I think I can't remember where I bought mine. So yeah, maybe that's the next thing to look at. As... Yeah, I mean, say so go down and see Giles and, and Alex down mm. there. And, and that's the thing. And they're honest. They say, look, you know, it might take us a few weeks to get you settled into a product that works for you. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the strength, whether you use oil or water right. um, based products. Um, and I can honestly say like, you know, I, I know people um, who have gone on my recommendation who still are, are trying to get things right and it hasn't worked for them. But then I know there's a handful who've been and they're like night and day, you know, oh. just literally I went about four or five days because I'd run out in this situation we're in before I contacted them to get them to deliver it. And 
I noticed the change. Yeah, right. I, I, I didn't I didn't realize to be honest how much better it was making me feel. Yeah. So it was it was interesting to come away from it and go, oh, you know what? Shit. The only thing I've changed is I'm on the C B D oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the quality yeah. of product is important. So another subject, uh, I've, I suppose, in all our different guests, I've never talked about, and it's a bit, but quite of an interest to myself is fasting. Uh, something I I sort of came across eighteen months ago now, and uh, I absolutely I think similarly you talk about CBD changing uh, changing things. This was a game changer for me, uh, and just the benefits of doing it. Do you, do, you, do any of you be involved? Do you? Appreciate it. it may build into competitions, I guess, if you shred and maybe I don't know, but but outside of that, the health benefits of it. Um the way I I mean in regards to health benefits specifically, I have never seen any specific research to say it's healthy here, but just I just want to define my version of fasting okay, yeah. and then and then we'll just clear up yours. But so the the fasting that I have done and regularly not regularly do, but I do do when I feel I need to just lose a little bit of weight. I mean, I've gone over the top with my um, amounts for a while. It would be literally just delaying eating first thing in the morning till late in the afternoon yeah. um, and therefore being able to eat less calories in a shorter window of time. Yeah, okay. um, that's how I would, that's how I use it. Um, opposed to having a focus on the fasting element of it. So for me, the fasting it's no impactive on it's not impactive anything specific it's i'm more focusing on being able to reduce calories so it's another method to the principle of a calorie deficit yeah okay yeah, yeah and yeah. that's that's how i interpret it to clients it's like look don't think of it fasting for you know the fasting is going to do anything specific yes it gives the body chance to recover especially the stomach you know you have that clear out you know it's, it's i wouldn't say it's a cleanse the liver does a great job of that but it's very much um allowing the body just to get rid of everything it's got and yeah. ready you know give it a rest yeah. um but it's it's the fact that if someone is struggling for example to um not overeat on an evening and I, an example I, I i would give you would be if you're supposed to eat 1800 calories a day and you start eating at 6 a.m in the morning because you're nearly starter chances are 1800 calories if you're not smart with your food choices and, and going with more volume perhaps if you're a bit of a flexible dieter and you like your sugary foods 1800 calories is going to be gone quite comfortably in 12 hours time but then if you've got a specific goal especially if it's fat loss um what are you gonna do between six and ten o'clock at night starve yourself yeah. which the body could handle but i feel that stress on the body and the mind that's unnecessary so chances are that person's going to end up eating and going over their 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 target for the day yeah, yeah, yeah. so as you probably know martin you know it's very much about just move that eating window to later in the day, just. Yeah. Um, and therefore, your 800 calories are going to last until whenever you go to bed. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where it does come down a little bit would be if you train in the morning. Um, so if you train in the morning, we need some sort of protein for replenishment. Uh, so my suggestion with that is you literally just have a protein shake, 150 calories, you've got your hit of protein, then you survive on, on water, diet drinks, um, black coffee, uh, until you start eating again at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I was watching, uh, I suppose the fasting I come at it from is not, because often when you first mention my, my wife will laugh at me because she says, oh, you're starving yourself again today. But I don't come out, I'm not eating it, I'm not doing it to, to for any weight-related matter. I watched a couple of documentaries on Joe Rogan with uh, Rhonda Patrick, I think her name is. She's done a lot Brilliant. of research. 
put a lot of research yeah. into it. And uh, yeah, it's the health benefits. I particularly use it for mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. the research showing that you know you, you set your body when it's run out of fat, fat cells to, to to use as energy, it then goes and finds broken cells and broken DNA and, and converts it to energy and uses that as energy. And those those cells have the potential to be cancerous type of scenarios. So basically, it's going into your body and clearing out your body and and, and making your body more more efficient. And yeah, and then there's all those aspects you talk about the health benefits of side of things. So uh, I'm a I'm a daily faster of usually like 16 hours. I won't eat, and then eight, I have an eight hour eight hour eating window. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've just transitioned to from to an 18 hour fast which sounds horrendous but it's not you stop eating at six o'clock at night and then you just start at lunchtime the next day I was, you mentioned about protein there from the final train in the morning not massive endurance rides but i'll do short training in the morning and i'm comfortably not i just drink water i'm not a coffee drinker anyway so i just drink drink water and i'm i'm at lunch and i'm never starving really uh, again it, but it's been for me it's been a habit thing we go back to that thing at the beginning the habit the habit is just to go and get a bag of crisps to go and eat something sweet they can cut those cut, cut those habits out. It just makes it so much easier. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you know, you've adapted. You know, you said there. You know, you can stop at six o'clock, and you're good to you get to go till lunchtime the next mm. day. And it's you know, your body's just adapted to it. As you probably know, it, it doesn't suit everybody. No, right? and it takes time as well. I yeah. I started with twelve hours and just doing a twelve hour window, and uh, sort of slowly moved it for. Again, I, I did it purely for health benefits, or what I believe my own belief of the health benefits. But yeah, it, it doesn't, uh, and and I know people that, that struggle with it because they have to train hard in the morning, so they they need to fuel because it'd be irresponsible to tra- train hard yeah. and not yeah. not have that that, that yeah. side of it. So yeah, it does take see, again, it's time, isn't it? Pe- yeah. I think people Absolutely. just taking time to understand what works and doesn't work for them. Do you, do you take anything like uh, essential amino acids when you train then? No. No, I take nothing now. I've gone very much. Uh, I take a vitamin B. I take a B12 every day just because I'm uh, the, the food I eat just as a supplement. And that, that's it. And don't get me wrong. I'm the healthiest person in the world. I don't know. Uh, but I, I certainly, since I've introduced these changes over a number of years, and that's why I was interested in that CPD discussion because the different changes I've made have had these incremental, I believe, for me and how I feel and my own well-being a step upwards obviously you can only ever continue to improve that and that's why i'm quite interested in the cbd mm. to see if i can you know, take another I mean, level up yeah well you I mean, you know it's interesting you said it. it's working for you you know it's working for you and if that works for you and you feel good you know and everything's working right then why change things you know why then all of a sudden take my approach you know if i say you know you want to be a bit more regular i mean your goal is, will, will dictate that obviously and I'm yeah, sure you'd accommodate, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. if you decided i want to put some size on or i want to be i want to be leaner then there's, there'd have to be some tweaks to your to, to your setup but yeah. if your lifestyle suits what you're doing and i'd say this to anybody it's like again you'll get some coaches that will say oh you know um they'll they'll give people grief should we say or disagree with um weight watchers or um mm veganism or you know you know what mind your own business if it works for them yeah, yeah. leave them be if it if, if if they can't manage to stick to your way because your way isn't the only way no 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, leave yeah. them be there's so many different methods to, to, yeah. to doing things like i say like the principle is x but the methods are just like ongoing and it's yeah, finding yeah. the one that works for that person yeah absolutely um, yeah, rather absolutely. than forcing your views on 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 some poor person who doesn't really know and i'm sure that's a challenge as a coach isn't it because you like say go back to that psychology side of things as well building all that in and, and understanding what what makes the client tick what the, and what the client's goals are and what and 
it might not always work straight away as well. So it's that ongoing tweaking, isn't it, as well, which I'm sure is part of what you're doing yeah. almost day to day with clients. It is, yeah. It's yeah, it is. It's it's um yeah, I mean they've got my WhatsApp number, you know. I mean I have I have now these days a little bit of a limit on things. It used to be just like twenty four seven message me, I'll get back to you. Yeah, I'm man. a bit more strict with things now just to give my own lifestyle um yeah, yeah. a little bit more structure and you know, I'll always sort me out first. I come before everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um if I'm not functioning right, then no one else gets the best out of me. So that's now my approach. And I, yeah. I say that respectfully, you know, I, you know, it's, it's not anything. Um, you know, you know just, what? It's no, it's dead right. Because I, again, I think people, I'm, I'm of the same view. People may go oh, selfish, <laughs> but it's not because the people on, like you say, they're, they're not going to get the benefits, whether it's your family, friends or clients, the, the best, if, if you're not in the best place, so the, the, the most important things that you're in that best space, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. no, I couldn't agree more. So regard to WBFF, Let's talk a little bit about, I'd never heard of it before, obviously with my physique. Uh, so what, what is that? Talk about that and your involvement in that. Uh, what does it even stand a, for? It's a glorified hobby really, isn't it? Yes, okay. I'm a professional WFF muscle model. Okay. So with it, within the Federation, uh, World Beauty um, Fitness and Fashion Federation. Okay. So it was founded by a chap called Paul Dillett, who was an Olympian bodybuilder. Um, he was very big in the sort of 80s and 90s, uh, it, like it, within the industry uh, and in, in its physical size. He was the Dorian Yates era <clears throat> and um, he founded it with his wife um, back in I think 2009, 8, 9, give or take. And I, at the time I was, um, before my wife, and that's what I'm saying, but I was dating someone who was involved in the Federation who had done a show with the Federation when I was wanting to start competing. And, um, and that's how I found out about them. And I never wanted to do the traditional bodybuilding. I just didn't feel it was for me. And also I'm not big enough to be a traditional bodybuilder. Mm. I wanted to do the more modelly type scenario. So um, I was gonna say, what, what's the difference there between the two? So the WFF, they do, it's, it's more your, I suppose the best way to describe it is you're more your men's health look. So, and, and likewise, women's health look. I mean, there are also other categories within the Federation that are like a little bit more leaner, a little bit more sort of aggressive looking physiques, but predominantly it's about marketability. Like it's not just on your physique. It's on, unfortunately, how good your smile is. Do you fit a magazine cover? Do you walk appropriately? Do you move appropriately? Do you because there's a there's a, a dress round as well, oh. you know. Uh, so you know it's like a fashion round. You know, do, do you walk the walk type type thing? So it's it's a bit of a pageant, really. Bit of a spin off Victoria's Secrets for the girls. So they have all the big feathers and stuff. They have that sort of round. It's, you know, so my yeah. wife does it as well. Right. Um, and and we only have fitness round. Uh, sorry, so the girls bikini and fitness, and the guys is fitness and muscle model. So. Your fitness, male's fitness in our federation is is more like your men's health. Yeah, right. And then the, the muscle model, which I do, is just a fraction up, a little bit leaner, a little bit bigger. Um, but it's about your, your dimensions as well, with which category you fit in. And, um, and yeah, so yeah. that's... I was going to ask about categories. How do you categorize? Because is it just a man and men's and women's category? Or I presume there must be subcategories within that. Is that based on height or, or how is that? Yeah, it's, it's more like, it's more, for example, uh, like the bikini girls have to be um, a softer look, more achievable, 
more beach body sort of, you know, not, not veiny, just, you know, light outline of the abdominals, for example, and, and low, low levels of body fat, but not, not too low, healthy looking. Um, whereas the fitness girls need to be a bit more shredded, a bit leaner, a bit more abby, a bit more uh, conditioned, and they tend to be a bit more muscular. And it's exactly the same with the muscle models and the fitness models for the guys. The, the, the fitness models can afford to have smaller legs, not as defined, uh, not as aggressive looking, should we say, whereas the muscle models, they want lean, shredded legs. Um, but it's still, it's not your traditional bodybuilding poses. It's very, it's very, um, it's fairly, I'd say ballerina-esque, that's, that's probably a little bit much, but it's very flamboyant. It's very just, just, just holding yourself in the, the poses that make you look the best. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little physique. bit I saw, but I, I mean, Maybe it's the not the greatest word. It just seemed a bit more graceful than yeah. than than yeah. bodybuilding, which was very much type of yeah. he says with yeah. his puny arms. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have nothing yeah. against bodybuilding. I, you know, that's why I started, if you like. But yeah. uh, I just didn't want to go and and and. I mean, I could go down that route. I would have to make some considerable changes to supplementation, should we say? Um, but I just I don't want to go that far. So. Yeah, right. Okay. And obviously you're still doing that com- com- competing regularly then in that. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, I, I mean to say regularly. Yeah. It's, I usually do one, one show a year and I think right. about more of the health side of things because okay. certainly now I'm in the, the, the pro division. It's another step up from the amateurs respectfully. Um, so, you know, there's, there's certainly, you know, a lot more health implications to what I have to do to be competitive. And that's a choice that I make. And I'm, I, I, know, I don't hide the fact that I, I make that choice, and I don't, um, I would, you know, I'd want people need to understand that what, um, we achieve, you know, is is achievable because of X, Y, and Z, right. you know, and at the same time, I do it to that level because I want to be competitive. I don't want to just be a number. I want, I want to be competitive. I'm cool with not winning. <laughs> I've only yeah, ever yeah. won twice. Um. Um, but now, you know, I'd be happy to be, you know, uh, just competitive um, and fit on that stage. And, and, and unfortunately, that's, that's the, way, it's the way the game is when you yeah, get into yeah. the pro league as well, especially. Right. And just to, to quickly talk, uh, I suppose one of the last questions I have around uh, sh- the shred, a shred. And I, certainly from, you see, and I've seen things where obviously it's about stripping as much fat away as possible to obviously show the, the body off, I guess, and the muscles. And then, you know, the day after everyone's eating dominoes because uh, they've stopped. But leading up to a shred, how long, where, where does that site, obviously you get, you, you're training, training, training. Is there a point where that strip shred starts? Is that six weeks out, four weeks out, a day out, three days out? How does that, how does that normally it's, work? So it all, it all comes down to where your starting point is. And it's the same principle for just a general population person. Where's your starting point to, in relation to where you want to get to? Be more specific with the competing, just to give you an example. So I, I know just because I do caliper readings and those sort of things, I now sit around about 18, 20% year round body fat levels. And when I want to do a show, I will always give myself 24 weeks. So I give myself six months to diet. Wow. Right. Okay. Um, I could afford to be a bit more aggressive because of supplementation use, but I don't. Right. Uh, certainly a natural... Um, person would need longer periods of time because to retain as much muscle as possible, you need to take that body fat off a lot, lot slower. Yeah, right. If you go too aggressive with it, I mean, you L- will lose. You lose the muscle. Um, yeah, you'll yeah. lose muscle anyway. You will lose as a natural, especially you'll lose muscle. That's inevitable. Up to twenty-five percent 
um, of what you right. um, um, may, may not have ex uh, expected. Uh, so, yeah, so six months. There are girls and guys that will do 16 weeks, 12 weeks, um, but it's your starting point, you know. You yeah, have to yeah. give yourself time. And like anyone, I've prepped for shows, you know, oh, gee, I'm doing it it's 12 weeks. I'm like, well, we're not doing it. Right. 12 weeks? It's, you've got 24 weeks of dieting to do. We have to consider things like your diet breaks, your refeeds, um, um, any, any, anything that crops up within that period. You know, if you only give yourself a 12 week window, you, you, you're not going to be ready. And it's important to be ready on time to limit yeah, the yeah. stress. And that's the other thing. Mentally, six months of dieting sounds quite stressful. But the, the, the knock on effect of being aggressive from, say, 12 weeks will be more impactive on the body because of how aggressive you have to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a longer prep, I favor. It's not the only way. There's many ways, but I, I favor a longer prep. Um, and you can almost, it almost becomes a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah because no, that's, that's what I was going to say is that presumably when you're changing from what you'd say you're current to when you're starting your shred, is there a radical difference in what your diet would actually look like? Because presumably if you're doing it for so long that your, like you just said, they're the keyword, your lifestyle is kind of similar to what you would be doing when you're up on that yeah. stage. So I, I would presume rightly or wrongly that when you come to shred, you would just be slightly tweaking things. It's not any form of crazy, whatever kind of routine or or diet you would then stick in or regime should i say it's interesting you say that because yes for me and my wife we are very much like even though we compete and we know it's not healthy um we're still about the health so yeah. uh, we're big believers in in being as as um as basics are the right words so so for example you know i will predominantly every most days i will always have um, three rice dishes with either uh, chicken, fish, or beef. Not so much red meat, not because I, I love red meat, but I just tend to favor fish and chicken. Um, so they, they will be a staple with, with plenty of vegetables, and it's all seasoned and tastes nicely. There'll always be some sort of porridge oats with a protein powder and fruit. Um, there'll always be some sort of, at the moment, chocolatey, cakey type sweet option in there. Um, and then whatever else fits in that isn't um, processed. Now, when that, that would be my day-to-day. -day. When we go into a prep mode, um, the only real significant differences would be the accuracy of that food. And it's, it's absolutely to the ground every single day from that starting point, number one. And number two, possibly the removal of um, some of some of the processed food and I, I don't mean complete removal because again six months is a long time got to keep the mind sane and keep up um any potential intolerances that get caused of just dropping food out and not not you know not include them in the diet um but then you also we have to consider that we would potentially change or increase training or you know adapt um different volumes of training to then help with that calorie deficit so yeah, you're right. For me, for us, that, that's, and any of my clients, that's how it would be. There are other people who are the complete opposite. They are more than happy, you know, and at the minute, at the moment, exact, uh, another example, we have a chippy tea every Wednesday or Thursday night, and we have some sort of either takeout or home-cooked, off-plan, copious amounts of food on a Saturday. That's our year. But then when we, when we go into prep, uh, first thing that goes is the chippy tea. 
and those and those tweaks, but the Saturday meal will stay in at the start. Yeah. Uh, and then as we get closer, certainly we get to 16 weeks out, the Saturday goes, um, and we it's like certainly Monday to Sunday, every gram that goes in is is there. Um, yeah, so it, everyone has a different approach. You know, there's other girls and guys who will just, uh, they won't track anything all year round. They won't be bothered about food quality. And then unfortunately you get the extreme, which are absolutely on the button for the whole year. Personally, I don't like that approach because of the social impact it has on their life, their family and friends' lives, and the impact on their body and their health because they're not including everything and everything for that body to function optimally. Mm -hmm. um, unless you are professionally and being paid um, and it's not a glorified hobby, which it is for us, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a glorified hobby, that's it. We happen to have professional statuses within the Federation. Um, you know, it's not, it's nothing amazing. Um, so I don't see why you should be, um, putting yourself in the most ridiculous scenario that's going to affect your health because bodybuilding isn't going to be there forever. And the day after the competition is everyone running to dominoes. <laughs> Do you know what? It's interesting. Certainly when you're new to competing, yes, that's what happens. People go mental. I've done it. We've done it many a times. You feel awful. Um, it can be dangerous as well, especially if you've prepped like simply chicken, brown rice and green beans. Yeah, if you've yeah, done that yeah. sort of prep and you've had no sugar and all of a sudden you're throwing yourself into a load of sugar and shit food, you are going to be ill. And I say it can be dangerous. You can get like um, almost like gout. And I've right. seen guys that get ridiculous amounts of gout because they've just gone crazy on sugary foods that they've deprived themselves of for so long. Yeah, um, right. You know, um, so certainly now because we're a lot better with our prep going in um you almost don't feel like you want to go like to be honest what we we tend to do we'll go for it we'll always go out for dinner but it'll be like gauchos you know yeah yeah the, the excess sources are back in that loads of sodiums back in you know which doesn't <laughs> get removed but um yeah and nine times out of ten you look better after your show oh right okay wow right every time oh. crazy well, thanks for jo jo joining us today. I'm going to call you G now. We've spent long enough together. I think. We can yeah, G, yeah, G's fine. G's fine. It's easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so no, appreciate your time. It's been really fascinating. Thank you. No, yeah, thank yeah, you yeah. so much. Thank you so much for getting me in. And uh, I do waffle, don't I? It's an hour and a no, half. No, <laughs> it's, no, not at all. Not at all. Have you seen the length of our podcast? It's probably a short one. Do you want to check us out, Matt? Yep. Um, so wherever you're listening or actually watching now. Um, Please like, subscribe, share, and leave those five-star reviews pretty, please. Social media, Facebook with the M Word Podcast, Twitter, Max Sports Pod, and on Instagram, we are the M Word IOM. Thanks, Matt. Thanks again for letting us get into your ears, you sexy people. It's Word Out from Mon. Word Out from Matt.